0: This morning Jesus ends his instructions to disciples on a positive note. Jesus went from being positive to negative and now back to positive again or at least good news to bad news to good news. Jesus moves away from a consideration of those who reject his message to those that will welcome his message. He moves away from those who will persecute his people to those who will bless and refresh his people. Jesus reassures the apostles that despite the potentially horrific difficulties to come, the disciples will find people who respond positively to the message of Jesus and treat them hospitably. Our theme then this morning is, People who support those who identify with Jesus are rewarded. People who support those who are identified with Jesus are rewarded. The key verse is verse 40. Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. The key word in this particular Pericope or section is the word reward. Notice how frequently it appears. Verse 41. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water Because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So it is about the faithfulness of individuals who identify and support those who identify with Jesus and the reward that they are going to receive. So we begin first by looking at a general principle. And that is that whatever we do for Jesus' people, we do for Jesus himself. Whatever we do for Jesus' people, we actually do for Jesus himself. Notice verse 40. Whoever receives you, receives me. In prior weeks, we noted that whoever was persecuting believers, was in fact persecuting Jesus himself. Let me just review and note that the Apostle Paul, before he was converted, he was referred to as Saul, and Saul was adamantly persecuting believers. We read this account in Acts chapter 9. Now Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it came about that as he journeyed, he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, And he fell to the ground, and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Not my people, not my disciples. Why are you persecuting me? To treat the apostles, the disciples, in an ungodly manner was to treat Jesus in an ungodly manner. To persecute the church was to persecute Jesus. Today, we have just the opposite in view. Whatever you do good for the people of God, you do for Jesus. Whenever you receive one in his name, you receive Jesus. So in a similar fashion, Jesus says in verse 40, whoever receives you receives me. And in still similar fashion, the one who welcomes Jesus welcomes the Father who sent Jesus. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. As we think about this particular verse, three things come to mind. First, how closely Jesus identifies himself with his people. Jesus so identifies himself with us that whatever we are experiencing, Jesus himself experiences. The scripture says that he is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. One of the distinctions between sympathy And empathy is the ability to actually enter into another person's sufferings. Another person's heartache. So that when another person feels bad, you feel bad. Many times when our children are sad, it makes us sad when we see pain in the life of another person, it might move us to tears that we closely identify, affiliate with others. Jesus identifies with us to the degree that what happens to us affects him personally. But not only does he identify us in an outward way, but also in an inward way. Jesus also taught that to receive Christ's message, and particularly the gospel, is equated with receiving Jesus himself. So that Jesus is intricately connected to the word of God. If you reject his word, you in fact reject him. Conversely, if you receive him, you receive his word. You will be instructed by him. You will be taught by him. John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the children of God. Jesus said, whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So, to Welcome Jesus' message is ultimately to welcome the message of the Father. For it is the Father who sent Jesus. And it is the Father's message that Jesus declares. It is that principle that founds the next two verses. And that is, the one who intentionally helps Jesus' servants receives the same reward as the servant. The one with intentionality helps Jesus' servants, receives the same reward as the servant. The first example is of receiving a prophet, verse 41. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. To receive a prophet in the context is to welcome a prophet into one's home because of believing the prophet's message. A prophet here is simply an individual who is speaking for God. Oftentimes we think of a prophecy as future. But a prophet is simply an individual who speaks for God. In this instance, it's the apostles. And if you look with me at Matthew chapter 10, verse 11, to get the t- context, it says this. "And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. Stay in that home. Let them show you hospitality. As you enter into the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy let your peace return to you and if anyone will not receive you that is to welcome them into your home or listen to your words shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town so the person who receives is the one who welcomes a messenger into their home and welcomes And believes the Word of God. In this instance, the person that is going to be rewarded is the individual that receives a prophet simply because he is a prophet. Notice verse 41 the one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet, not because he's a friend. Not because he's important by worldly standards, but being received because he's a servant of Jesus, because he's doing Jesus' work. So welcoming this person into your house because they are doing the Lord's work is worthy of a reward. A person who receives a prophet in this manner receives the same reward as the prophet himself. Notice verse 41. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. So what is a prophet's reward? Back to Matthew chapter 5. Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preparing his disciples. Starting with verse 10. Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus has just been talking about the persecution that the disciples are going to go through. Now, he says there are going to be people that, conversely, are not going to persecute you. They are going to welcome you into their homes and they are going to refresh you. They're going to help you. They're going to provide for you. Jesus says they get the same reward. As the prophet. In those verses. 5.10. 5.10. 5.11. And 5.12. We find out three things about that reward. First is that it's great. The second is that it's in the future. It's in heaven. And the third is. That it's a cause for rejoicing. And gladness. We are to rejoice. And to be glad. When we receive a person into our home. Who is a prophet. Because they are doing the Lord's work. We have in the scriptures an example of such a person, Gaius. Turn with me, if you would, to Third John. Gaius, the example of a person who received God's servants into his home. Third John. Right before Jude and the book of Revelation. Third John, I'm going to start reading verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful th- thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers. Now, notice these words, strangers as they are. Now, these are brothers, but they're strangers. These are. Servants of God, but Gaius has never met them. Verse 6, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. That phrase is packed full of meaning, in a manner worthy of God. In a manner worthy of your own service towards God but in a manner worthy of the way in which you would treat God. With the same kind of respect and overflowing graciousness and provision, can you imagine what it would be like to entertain Jesus in your home? If we announced that Jesus was going to be at our church next week and we needed a home for him to stay, do you think you might like to have him over? Do you think you may just have a little special meal, a little better than what you would normally have? He says, in a manner worthy of God, because to do it, to the least of these servants, you've done to me. Whoever receives you receives me. Verse 7 of 3 John. For they have gone out for the sake of the name. They are out there representing Jesus, they are out there representing God. People who receive a prophet are rewarded in the same way the prophet is. For they're seen as participating in the prophet's work. Notice verse eight of, of, of uh, third John. Therefore, we ought to support people like these. Why? That we may be fellow workers for the truth. We become fellow workers. Simply by supporting those who are doing the work of God. To the extent that Jesus says, if you receive a prophet because he's a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. You are doing the work of a prophet, a messenger, a servant a missionary, a preacher, someone who is declaring the word of God. When you support them, you are obtaining for yourself a reward that is in keeping with that individual's service. Which should teach us the following. First, Here we see how important it is to support Christ's servants. How important it is that if we have a missionary, welcome them into our home. If we have a guest speaker, welcome them into your house. How important it is that we give financially to proclaim the word of God around the world. Jesus said... If you support them, you are co-laborers with them, and you're worthy of the same reward that they receive. In Jesus' estimation, I'm going to come back to this at the end of the message, but in Jesus' estimation, the work you do in supporting them is as important as the work that they do. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Secondly, here we see the blessing of supporting Christ's servants. It brings pleasure to God. Here we see the motivation for supporting Christ's servant. That is to receive a reward. That is to participate in the work of God. That is in serving Jesus himself. This means that whatever reward there is for the messenger, the one who receives that messenger for Christ's sake will have the same reward. And so these two are made equal both the one who suffers for Christ and the one who gives comfort and refreshment for Christ's people. It is showing the dichotomy that exists. It's black and white in Scripture. It's night and day. It is opposite ends of the spectrum. There are those that reject and persecute. There are those that receive, welcome, honor, and bless. The application, I think, is is pretty obvious. That is, we should show hospitality. We should support those that are doing the Lord's work. Secondly, not all of us, not only can, but do play an important part in the kingdom's work. Your giving is important. It's important not just because it enables the work to be done. In fact, that isn't mentioned. (coughs) For God's work is going to get done. But it is important, first of all, out of a recognition... That when I am giving, I'm ultimately giving to Jesus. I hope that is in your mind when we pass a collection plate. That ultimately, it's not about giving to the church or giving to support the pastoral staff or praying for the lights or our missionaries overseas. First and foremost, it's about recognizing who Jesus is and the opportunity that we have to serve him and to honor him with all that we have. Secondly, it teaches us that all of us play an important part in the kingdom's work. It is no small thing that you support the work of the church. Financially, through prayer, through encouragement, for involvement, by speaking well of what is being done, or by, by being receptive to the ministry. All of that is important. Next, the one who receives a righteous person because the person is righteous receives the reward of a righteous person. Now, in the context, a righteous person is one who is born again, Jesus said in Matthew 5.20, For I say unto you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's all about a person who is born again. Now it's saying to receive a Christian, moving from a servant to just a Christian, by receiving a Christian, you receive a reward. Promotes righteousness. And it is an act of righteousness. Psalm 38, verse 20 says this. And those who repay evil for good, they oppose me. This is the psalmist David saying, because I follow what is good. He wants to affiliate with that which is good. Philemon is an example of one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person. Turn with me to the book of Philemon. 1st and 2nd Timothy Titus Philemon Hebrews So one chapter book Just a couple of notations in light of what we are talking about this morning First notice the greeting Paul a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother to Philemon Notice how he is addressed. Our fellow worker. To my knowledge, Philemon never went on a missionary journey with Paul. And yet, he refers to Philemon as a fellow worker. Because of the way that he supports the work of God. Notice, Moving on, verse 2. And Appia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ. I hear of your love and your faith towards the Lord. And then notice how that translates, and for all the saints, all the righteous people, all the people of God. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Philemon's ministry was to care and provide for the people of God. He refreshed the people of God. Those that are being persecuted, those that are weary, those who are on the front line, those who are shell-shocked, those that are experiencing the hatred, the animate animosity of individuals, the lack of respect, the discourteousness, the refusal of the things of God. How refreshing to come across Philemon, who doesn't add to their misery, but seeks to bring them comfort and joy and appreciates their ministry. Then notice how this concludes. Verse 22, Paul says, At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I'll be graciously given to you. Paul says, I'm coming. Prepare a room for me. He's not being audacious when he says that. He's not being demanding. Here is a man who opens his house. Not only to the servants of God, but to the people of God in general. And so Paul says, I'm coming. Prepare my room. In the Old Testament, there were individuals that built rooms for the prophets so there'd be a place for them to stay as they they traveled in offering their sacrifices. How does this translate? To welcome a person simply because they are a child of God. We're to prize not only what people do, not only those who serve the Lord, but those that belong to the Lord, because they belong to the Lord. We might say, whoever is a child of God is a friend of mine. But what we ought to say, whoever is a child of God is a brother or sister of mine. Welcoming people into our home. How about a college student moves away from home, attending Lemon Valley College. Great opportunity. Have them over for dinner. Let them be a part of your extended family. Welcome them into the life of the church. We should look for the opportunity to minister to people, not just our families, and not just our friends, and not just our acquaintances, but strangers, is what it says. Simply because they profess faith in Jesus Christ. Simply because they are God's. We should welcome them and bring them into our house. I'm running out of time, so I need to quickly move on to the third point. The one who helps God's servants and God's people in the smallest of ways will surely be rewarded. Even the smallest act of kindness to the most obscure Christian will not go unnoticed or unrewarded. Look at verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, I say to you he will by no means lose his reward. The smallest act of kindness, that is, giving a cup of cold water. Before I talked about welcoming somebody in your home and putting on a special spread. That takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of effort. How much effort or work does it really take to give somebody a cup of cold water? Pretty Insignificant. And as needs are on the level of most important. How important it really is it to alleviate somebody else's thirst and give them a cup of water? And yet we have the whole story of Jesus and the woman at the well and what giving him a drink of water proved to accomplish in her life and the life of the disciples. But just a cup of cold water. The most insignificant act to the most insignificant of people. Whoever gives one of these little ones little ones, could be referring to children. But I think in the context, it's moving from those that have the highest esteem, the prophets, to the general people of God, to those that have a tendency to be ignored or overlooked. The little or insignificant.